0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Of chapter 12, um, as, if you think that's weird to go from one chapter to another, uh, you know that, or you, you may not know, I'm, I didn't mean to say you know, I mean say that I'm telling you, uh, if you don't know, that in the original uh, the, the way the Bible was originally written, they just wrote it like, like we would write a book today. They just wrote. I mean, not quite. They wrote it in all capitals with no spaces. But, but more or less the way we would write. They just wrote it. They didn't have chapters and verses in the original. Those were added later for us to be able to find our way around. But that means sometimes, oftentimes, those chapter breaks are very natural places uh, for us to put different parts of the story together. But sometimes uh, we start in a different place. And this particular story starts well in chapter 11, verse 55, and ends well well enough in chapter 12, verse 11. The title of the sermon, I don't know why this has happened, but I've started telling you about titles more and more. Um, The the title of this sermon, if you saw it during the week, is Worship in the Face of Death. And and you may have seen that and thought with the events of this week that that was particular to the events of this week. And there's a sense in which I think this text is very relevant uh, to things that have happened this week but really the worship in the face of death is the setting in John. The setting here of this this passage that is the next in our series going through John is in the face of death. Throughout the past several chapters of John, we've seen more and more conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees and the chief priests. And this has not particularly been anything that Jesus has brought about, though he doesn't always uh, at all give them what they're looking for. He tends to Confound them with his answers to things. But it's particularly, we saw last week uh, that they are afraid. They are afraid of what is going to happen. They're afraid of people following Jesus. They are afraid of losing their place. And so they have set out to kill Jesus. And so the question for us today is what do we do when death is coming? What do we do when evil comes in upon us? Because this is, you know, we, we can realize. Especially if we've been in the church for a long time, we can talk about Jesus and his death so easily. We talk about it all the time. But we've got to realize here that Jesus' death was brought about by evil men. This is evil coming in full force. Evil is coming after Jesus. Evil is coming after his followers. So if this morning you say, I feel evil in the world all around me and I don't know what to do about it, we can see here in John Somewhat of an answer. What do we do in the face of evil? But the answer is somewhat surprising. So let's read from John chapter 11, verse 55. What do we do in the face of evil? Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think, that he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at a table. table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment, made from pure nard, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word gives us hope in dark times, gives us hope in the face of evil. We pray now that as we reflect on your word, that you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that this would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our lives, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what do we do in the face, what, what do we do in crisis? What do we do when bad things happen? One of the things that many people have been reflecting on with the events of this week is that many of us are not actually sure what to do in a crisis. And we all want to think that we would be the hero. We cry out for heroes, for people to stride onto the scene and to take care of things. To take down the bad guys, to set things right. And sometimes it happens. You know, even as as tomorrow is Memorial Day, and we rightly remember those who've made sacrifices, many of them of heroes who gave their lives that others might live. We hear stories even even this week, or a couple weeks ago, that the church in Los Angeles, if you heard about that, where somebody came in to a lunch after church. And one of the congregants, actually some of my friends knew him from college, went and, and tackled the man. He took him on. He gave his life doing so, but he was a hero. Sometimes we see these stories of heroes, but more often we're left wondering, where are the heroes? Am I? And then we ask ourselves, would I be a hero? Sometimes we reach out in judgment on those who could have done more. But if we're honest, we probably, most of us are not in a place to judge. For we really don't know what we would do in the face of crisis, in the face of evil. How would we respond? Too few heroes in our world. Why? Because we fear death. We fear death. Our fundamental problem, our main thing here, is we fear death and we don't know what to do. And so we, we see that, 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 pro, that, that problem of fearing death that all of us have that all of us have. It keeps us from being heroes in crisis situations, but it also has a great impact on us in our ordinary lives too. That we live our, we we get wrapped up where we can live our lives in fear. What will happen? And all we can do is retreat into greater and greater levels of self-protection. And at some point, we know that we we're going too far. We're getting too wrapped up in fear and anxiety, but we still don't know what to do. So we're stuck in our fear, and sometimes in our fear or in our our anger, we react wrongly, we react rashly, and we do things that we shouldn't do. And so when we come to this passage in John, like I said before, we need to realize that this is a crisis. Right before this, in verse 54, it said, Jesus therefore no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness. So Jesus left town because they were trying to kill him. It was a dangerous situation. So we have to realize here when the Passover is at hand and they're wondering whether Jesus is going to come up to the feast, this is dangerous. If Jesus comes to the feast, he will be killed. They are out to kill him. Chapter 12, verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany. Bethany is not far from Jerusalem. He is no longer out in the wilderness. He is coming back into town. He is coming into danger. This passage is bracketed by danger. There's danger for Jesus in the beginning. They had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know they might arrest him. They were trying to arrest him and kill him. At the end of it, uh, chapter 12, verse 10, the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus Lazarus to death as well. There is death and danger all around here, and Jesus is near to Jerusalem. So the question is what did they do what did they do in the face of danger what would you do in the face of danger i would likely run away or i would make plans or i would try to figure some things out i would be cautious instead they gave a dinner like they gave a dinner they didn't just take a few morsels it's like they threw a party for jesus in bethany like two miles from Jerusalem, in the face of death and danger. And what happened there? Mary breaks open this expensive bottle of perfume in worship. What did they do in the face of death, in the face of evil? They turned to Jesus in worship. And they focused everything on him. They devoted themselves to Jesus in worship, focusing on him. How could they do that? How, in the midst of danger and evil, could they give a dinner and recline at table and break open a bottle of perfume and anoint Jesus with it? The only way that you can do this, the only way that they can do this, the only way that we can do it, the only way that we can make our way through the death and evil in this world is by realizing that Jesus is completely in control. It doesn't say that here in the passage. But this is behind everything in this passage. The main thing we need to know about God is that Jesus is completely in control. And He is the only one in control. He knows He's going to die. He said it. Verse 7, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. He knows what is right. He knows what is happening. We don't know. They didn't understand. They had heard Him say it, but they didn't get it. It's clear throughout the Gospels. They had no idea what it meant that Jesus was going to die. And just the vaguest of ideas that if he died, he was going to come back. And just the vaguest of ideas, possibly, that what that could mean for the forgiveness of their sins. So instead, we know that they found themselves the same way we find ourselves. Fearful, anxious, uncertain, looking at death and evil and not knowing what to do. But the main thing about God is that Jesus is in control. And if Jesus is in control... And if Jesus' ways are not like our ways, then we can devote ourselves to him. Then we can center our lives around him in worship and all that that means. And so we see here, if that's the, main, I, the main thing about God is that Jesus is fully in control. His ways are not our ways. The main thing that we need to do is devote ourselves to him, centering our lives around him, worshiping him. Where do we do that? We we see briefly here, we see three kind of situations or implications for us of where we need to devote ourselves to Him and what that looks like. First, we need to do that in the face of fear. We devote ourselves to Him. We need to do that at great cost. And we need to do that when it doesn't make sense. We devote ourselves to Him in the face of fear at great cost and when it doesn't make sense. First, in the face of fear this is where kind of the overall setting is that it's fearful, right? And in the face of fear, they had a dinner. In the face of fear, they gathered together and they did what was right. What else were they gonna do? They couldn't go up against the chief priests. They couldn't protect Jesus. So they did what they knew how to do. And, and it's worth us remembering that the fears and anxieties we face today as much as we can see there are differences in the world and things always seem to be spinning out of control, that the fundamental situation of fear and uncertainty and death has not changed. That's what they faced 2,000 years ago. That's what people faced 1,500 years ago. That's what they faced 1,000 years ago, 500 years ago, 100 years ago. We've always been facing this. There's, a great, uh, there's an essay by C.S. Lewis that he wrote in 1948 And it's called, I think it's something like On Life in an Atomic Age. Just a few years after the atomic bombs were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And so all these questions first came up of like, oh my gosh, the power. What if the world is destroyed? What are we going to do? And this is just part of it that C.S. Lewis wrote. He first, Well, he goes on first to say kind of what I just said. We've been facing death forever, the plagues. Now we know something more about plagues. But, but this is what he said at the end. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may, be, they may break our bodies. A microbe can do that but they need not dominate our minds. He wrote that 60 years ago. No, 48, 75 years ago he wrote that. Um, Hasn't changed. Death and evil are around us. Death is coming for us. Earlier in that essay he said, we're we're all facing death anyway. And And it's not callous to say so. It's it's callous if you don't acknowledge the pain and the hardship of it, but there is still the reality that death is not the end for us. And if death is not the end, we can follow Jesus in the face of fear. We can have a dinner in the face of fear. So what what does that mean for us then? Yes, there is fear all around us. There is uncertainty. There is sadness. We take that to the Lord in prayer. We lament before him. We We mourn with those who mourn and we carry on. We do the work that God has put before us. God has put before some of us to go and make change. Those who have influence in the world, those who have been put in positions of authority absolutely should use that authority to seek righteousness and justice in whatever sphere they're in. And yes, there is a sense that for us as citizens in a democracy, we all have a vote that is our little piece, very, very little piece of authority that we should use thoughtfully and rightly. And yet, for most of us, our greater calling is to the simple things in front of us. For kindness, for community, for creating, for, for having dinners, literally. create this is what we do at resurrection. We create the community, the new community that God has made. And, and we do that. One of the things that, I, that I, I, I occurred to me this week as I was reflecting on this and reflecting on all the accounts of Uh, of, of the shooter in Texas and of similar shootings in the past and the people who carry these out, is you see them coming, in a sense, from all different walks of life, all kinds of backgrounds, sometimes even from religious people who profess belief in God. But I don't think I've ever heard of one that talks about how many friendships they had, how strong their community was. It just doesn't happen. Because when we have the strength of community, when we have relationships and people around us, we don't do those things. We don't get wrapped up into the desperate search for meaning and nihilism. But God has given us people and communities to be around us. So we do what is right. We do the simple things of love and sacrifice. We do it in the face of fear. We do it at great cost. It's it's one of the emphases here. It says in verse 5, Judas uh, we'll get to him a little bit more in a set, second. But why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This was some expensive perfume, an expensive act that Mary performed. 300 denarii, that sounds nice. A denarii was a day's wages for a laborer. This is a year's worth of wages. This is like 30, $40,000 in today's terms. It's a lot of perfume that she just poured out Over Jesus' body. It came at great cost. We don't have any idea where she got this from, anything about it, but we know that the cost was great. And for what? To pour it out over Jesus' feet and to wipe them with his hair, with her hair, to express her devotion. The centering of our lives around Jesus is priceless. How can we do these things? How How can we possibly break a bottle of perfume? It can only happen You can only make this act of devotion if you know that Jesus is in control of everything. And if Jesus is in control of everything, if Jesus has all the money in the world, then to center ourselves on him and devote ourselves to him at great cost is worth it. It's worth every penny. Even when it it doesn't make sense. We'll get more to the doesn't make sense here in a minute. But it's worth every penny. Why? Because Jesus has everything. So in the same way that in the face of death, we can do what is right because God has control over death, in the face of uncertainty, we can devote ourselves to Jesus with our money because God has all the money. And so if we give all our money up to God, we know that he is going to take care of us. We don't know exactly what that always looks like. We don't have the same opportunity that Mary had to take a $30,000 jar of perfume and break it over Jesus' feet. it just We don't have that opportunity. But we do have the opportunity to be generous and giving with our money. And here's the thing to keep in mind from this. When we talk about money in church, when we talk about giving of our offerings, while there are times that we say, look what your money can do. Give to the cause. Give to make things happen. Fundamentally, our week-in, week-out worship of giving to God is about our devotion to Jesus. It's not at all about what the money will do for somebody or for the church. It is simply to get the money out of our hands to say God, this is yours. I am giving it to you. That's why giving our offerings is an act of worship. This is why historically uh, Christians and churches have sought to give 10% of their income. It's a good practice. Is it needed? Do we truthfully If you look at the income numbers, does any church need 10% of the income of all of its members? No. That's far more money than any church actually needs. Why do we say give 10%? Because that's the way that we give our hearts over to God. It's an expression of worship, an expression of adoration. And we can do that because Jesus is in control. So we do it in the face of fear. We do it at great cost. We devote ourselves to Jesus. And we do it when it doesn't make sense. Ju- Judas's, um, Judas's comment here makes some sense to us, like, why spend this money on worship when we could give it to the poor? It seems like such a good idea. Now, John helpfully points out that Judas was a thief. It appears that John, John doesn't, doesn't have a lot of patience for Judas. He likes to stick these comments in about Judas uh, throughout, that Judas was a thief. But, but overall, the comment makes some sense, right? Like, Really? $30,000 on an act of devotion when that could have been given to the poor? It could have you know, bought some food. It could have paid for a security detail to protect Jesus. Like, There's lots of things you could have done with this money. It doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't make sense to have a dinner in the face of death instead of making plans. None of it makes sense. It doesn't make sense to gather for worship every Sunday. It really doesn't. I know I've said this before, but it really doesn't. What does this do for us? What does this do to gather in this room? Like we could, we could have better parties. We could see each other somewhere else. We could, right? It would be a lot easier. But this is where we come together to center ourselves around Jesus in the way that he has commanded. And not everything has to make sense. Because at the end of it, we say, we don't understand all these things. When we try to work it out, how we can solve problems of gun control and mental illness and abuse in the church, we can't solve these things. How in the world could we solve these things? Yes, we can make progress. Yes, we should do what makes sense, and we should listen to people who are thoughtful and elect leaders who will make good decisions. But we can't solve all these things. What can we do? We come to Jesus in worship. And somehow he will make this work out. We don't know the timing. We don't know exactly what it looks like. Because here's the thing. It's not like these acts led to the preservation of Jesus' life. They just paved the way straight to his death. Jesus came to Bethany in the face of evil and had a dinner at his friend's house and was preserved there. No, he was arrested. He went on into the city and he got arrested. And he was put to death. But his death was the salvation of the world. And we know that because we're after the story. So we can look at this and be like, yeah, Jesus is going to die. And the salvation of the world comes from it. The forgiveness of our sins, he's coming back to life. We don't know where today's story is going. We don't possibly know how God is going to use the events of this day to work something out. We know that he weeps, just as we saw a couple of weeks ago, Jesus weeping at the tomb of Lazarus. We know that he mourns with us. He grieves the evil in the world. We know he's working something out. And he is going to use all things together for his good, for his glory, for our good. He is taking us to a place of forgiveness, a place of peace, a place of eternal life with him. He did it as Jesus walked into the face of the death. He will do it it today. So all that is left for us is to devote ourselves to him in worship, to gather together on Sunday mornings, to go out in our lives and do the work that he's called us to, The work of hospitality, the work of service, the work of sacrifice, the work of outreach, the work of discipleship. We do all these things, what God has put in front of us, trusting that he will work out all the details. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us and you care for us. We thank you that you are in control of all things and that we don't have to work them out. So we pray that as we continue to walk through our lives in the face of death and evil, that you would keep our hearts focused on you, that we may worship you that you would show us what that looks like in each of our individual lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.